bring about their favorite psalms and why those, why those are. Um, I, I was really looking forward to preaching this summer and talking about the Psalms because, uh, you know, Mike's, I think you picked up on, he said the Psalms weren't his favorite really until he was reading in Matthew and hearing about that. But the Psalms are truly one of my favorite places to read. These are real prayers of real people recorded long ago. And I think God recorded them so that we could learn from them. These are truly God's words. They're inspired by God, prayers prayed by real people so that we could read them, we could understand them, and we can apply them to our own lives. So let's pray that we do that right now. Let's pray. God, may you make your word real to us. God, we have read it and we thank you for Mike's voice reading the psalm to us. We pray that it would be real in our lives, that you would help us to apply it, that you would help us to trust it and believe it so that we could live it out. Um, God, give us the courage and the strength to do that in lots of ways this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've noticed, the, uh, the stage area is kind of barren today, and that's for good reason, because uh, I was telling you last week, and if you weren't here, I'll tell you this week, the, uh, this wood part was replaced this week to match uh, this wood part, which is the original wood from about 17 years ago. Then it was all uh, restained to match, and it's going to be sealed this week, so we didn't want to put up all back the furniture to kind of protect it. And uh, that all came through an anonymous donor, so it did not come out of the operations fund of the church. So we're thankful for that and for the donation that took care of that to update our stage. It was a great thing. Well, um, I love being a parent. It's lots of fun. And I'm kind of looking around. I'm seeing some familiar faces. I have um, kids that are kind of preteens to teens, and they can carry on real conversations with me now, which I really like uh, most of the time. Because we had a conversation recently in the car where we talked with our kids about a certain restaurant that they wanted to go to that would be different. And I think I said, probably not Claire, but I think I said, you know, we could probably go to that restaurant um, later in the week. Well, the end of the week came around and it didn't work out and we didn't go there. So my kids reminded me, Dad, you promised that we could go to that restaurant. And I think I said, well, I didn't exactly promise. You know, it was more like I said it, but I don't know if I promised. So my kids remember things and they remember what we say. God remembers what we say as well. And we can trust in his promises. God makes us promises that we can trust in. And then we are called, and even in this psalm, we'll read towards the end of the psalm, to fulfill our vows or to keep our promises back to God. Well, as we read this psalm, uh, before we read this psalm, we're going to talk about a few of God's promises, which I think, you know, carry a lot of weight for us and a lot of meaning for us. God promised Noah in Genesis to never send another worldwide flood of destruction, and God followed through on that. Just later, God promised Abraham to bless him and to make him into a great nation, the nation of Israel, which would then give birth later to Jesus so that we could have life. God promised Abraham, and he followed through. As Joshua brought the people, the Israelites, you know, out of, uh, as Moses had brought them out of the Exodus near the promised land, it was Joshua's job to take them into the promised land. And Joshua was apparently nervous about this, anxious about this, because several times in the first chapter of Joshua, God says, be strong and courageous. And why does he say that? He says, because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God fulfilled that promise with Joshua, and God fulfills that promise with us. Well, what if we look to the New Testament? Here's what Paul says in uh, Romans. He says, if you speak with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Well, that's a promise that's true with us. If we believe both in our head and in our heart that God is who he says he is, that he sent Jesus to die for our sins, we can believe that we will be saved, that we will have life. God follows through on his promises. Do we follow through on our promises? Sometimes we do and we should. Psalm 116 uh, has many uses in the church. Mike talked about one about uh, to use at the Passover time uh, for Jews. He talks about uh, life and death in the Psalms as well. In Psalm 116, it talks about that this was one of those Psalms, and Mike mentioned, really Psalm 115 through 118 called the Egyptian Hallel or praise, centering on the story of the Exodus from Egypt. And these Psalms were sung in Jewish homes or Jewish gatherings when they would celebrate Passover. And we know that Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples at the Last Supper, so it makes sense that this is very, uh, very possible that Jesus sang this actual psalm with his disciples. The psalm has also been used over the centuries to comfort those in time of death. And it promises that God will be with us. God is with us in our past, in our present, in our future, even for eternal life through Christ. And so God promises to be with us in all times, even in times where death is real or death is around us. So as I looked at this psalm over the last couple of weeks, I see that God is with us in what happened yesterday, what happens today, and what happens tomorrow. So let's look at the psalm in those terms, Psalm 116. Well, yesterday, it says in verse 1, God heard my voice. God hears our prayers. Judy talked about that with the kids. God hears our prayers, and he heard my voice in the past. God delivered me from death and tears and stumbling. God freed me from bondage. And then I kept my faith. So we saw a few minutes ago in the Old Testament that God keeps his promises. And this writer of the Psalm who's anonymous says that God keeps his promises with him as well. In verse eight, which I really like, he says, for you have delivered my soul from death. Talking about yesterday, what happened in the past. You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears and my feet from stumbling. As I was reading a commentary this week, here's how they described this verse. Spiritually, God has delivered our souls from eternal death. Emotionally, he puts a song in our hearts and wipes away our tears. And physically, he strengthens us and keeps us from stumbling. And I believe that's true for today as well. God keeps us and watches over us and cares for us spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Does this mean that everything in your life will be easy? Of course not. We all know that we go through struggles even facing death, as the writer of this psalm talks about facing death at times. But it does mean, and this is a common theme through the psalms and a common theme throughout, you'll continue to hear this summer, that God walks with us whatever circumstances we face. He is with us. I heard on Christian radio as I was driving around this week that all miracles in the Bible start with a problem. So I started thinking through some of that, and I said, yeah, I think, I think that's probably true. I didn't do my own research. But if you think about when there's a problem and you see what the miracle was, especially when you think about Jesus so many times healing and caring for people who had issues and problems in their lives. Uh, Miracles start with a problem. So this, this preacher on the radio said, so if you have problems, you're a candidate for a miracle. Now, some of you may say, well, I'm not really a candidate for a miracle. So let's put it in a little bit different way. If you have problems, there is an opportunity to see God at work 
in your life. There's a chance to see God at work in your life in the midst of your problems. The psalmist also said that God had loosened the bonds that held him, that he freed, uh, God freed him from bondage. And so we could ask the question, is there something that's holding us back? Is there something that's keeping us? Is there some kind of bondage that's, that's with us, that's hurting us? If there is, what can we do about it? We can ask, what are those temptations? What are those obstacles? What are those challenges that are holding us back from being intimate or close with God? And if those things are there, do you have someone that you can pray with? Because God continues to call us to pray, not only individually, but with other Christians. You know, you can look for me or someone else after the service to pray with you if you have something that's holding you back. Even to seek Christian counseling, someone who could help you if you have issues in your life that you need extra help. God can even loosen the bonds that hold you back from him. So God says that he loved us yesterday, he loves us today, and through Christ, when you believe in him, he will love you forever. So what about today? Today, God says he protects the simple, and the psalmist says, I walk walk before God in the land of the living. He also says we're we're called to walk with him and to call on him, which we'll talk more about in a few minutes, to continue to pray, not just We prayed already today to keep praying, to pray later today, to pray tomorrow, to pray this week, to call on God's name with praise and thanksgiving, but also to ask him for help where we have issues and problems in our life. And I love it that God has a long view of history. It's not sometimes the short view where we can get stuck on on what's happening in my immediate circumstances. God has a long view of history, thus the yesterday and today and forever. If you were here last week, I spoke about a trip that I had a chance to go to France uh, just a little over a month ago, and mainly to go to Normandy to see D-Day sites, battlefields, and to see the beaches where troops landed 70 years ago. And I wanted to tell one more story I didn't, did not mention last week, but we were in Normandy with a tour group <clears throat> of about 50 people, and our tour guide was uh, Carver McGriff. Carver was here in worship last Uh, Sunday, Carver lives just about a mile from here with Marianne, his wife. They often uh, worship here. Carver was also in Normandy 70 years ago as a 19-year-old soldier, and he went in three days after D-Day on Utah Beach and was immediately marched out to the front lines just several miles inland to fight against the Germans. But I think God has a long view of history and is with us yesterday, today, today, and forever. And what I found out, and probably my favorite day we were in Normandy, uh, was, was how God has that long view. So we took this big tour bus through this little town called Perrieres, which is a beautiful little town in France. And we went a few miles outside the town and we pulled up in this very, very tiny village called Bou Caudray. And so the, the, the guy that was guiding us, as well as Carver, telling us the story that 2,000 years ago, it's all true, 2,000 years ago, on this hill that's just about a mile outside of the village, you can see called Mont Castre, which means like Mount Castle, that 2,000 years ago, the Romans and the Gauls, which were ahead of the French, fought a battle there 2,000 years ago. And then about 1,000 years ago, William the Conqueror, who was from that area of Normandy, actually had a castle built on top of this hill, which some of the ruins are still there today a thousand years later. And if you've said, well, who's William the Conqueror? He's just the guy who sailed across uh, the English Channel to uh, take on uh, the, the leaders in England at the Battle of Hastings in 1066 and conquered England and became king of England. 
So this castle, these ruins of this castle are still there a thousand years later. So we fast forward to the 1900s. And in 1944, there were thousands of American soldiers lined up against thousands of German soldiers in this little village, Bu Codre, and then up this mountain, uh, Mont Castre, which the Americans called Hill 122. So Carver McGriff, so we're standing in this little village and he's telling the story, about 50 of us, and we're just off the main street in a little parking area. And he's telling us this story. There's, there's the Mont Castre where all this history happened. And, but about 200 yards out there, he says, is where my, my company was. There were three companies of about 300 soldiers and we were in battle with the Germans, but we probably advanced too far because over the course of two days, the Germans fought back and eventually surrounded them and the Americans shut up all their ammunition and eventually threw their guns out and surrendered. So the Germans captured them and they marched them 200 yards back in the town and Carver's saying, and we stood right here in this street, right where you're standing right now. And he said at that time when they got back into the street that some artillery shells started raining in on the village and Carver was hit by shrapnel from the artillery and blacked out. When he came to, he saw two of the men that he knew from his very company die on the street right next to him there where we were standing. A Mexican-American soldier that was in his company that he didn't know picked him up and carried him into a cafe and Carver's telling the story and he says, that's the building right over here to our left and carried him and put him in this building which still stands and uh, probably saving his life and then went back out and carried others back to safety, most likely saving their lives as shells continued to rain down. He spent a long night in this cafe with other injured soldiers but then the Germans were good to him. They came the next day, they were captured, but they loaded up a truck or a bus full of all these American soldiers. They took them back behind the lines and took them to a hospital. And he said there, while he was waiting on a stretcher for care, he lay there and he looked to a German soldier next to him who was about his same age, about 18 or 19, and they couldn't talk and they're both injured, but they smiled at each other and they made a connection by smiling. And then he said, for some reason, the German doctor chose him to take him into surgery before many of the German boys who were lying there on stretchers as well. And the Germans gave him great care um, there in that hospital for about a month. About a month later, the Americans advanced and the Germans fled, uh, leaving the Americans there in the hospital. And so they were freed and Carver was eventually sent back to England where he recuperated and eventually came back home. But he doesn't know why the Germans showed him grace but he recognized as he looked back that it was God's grace that the Germans showed to him and probably saved his life. So we fast forward some years and Carver went into business, but business really wasn't for him. And he said he felt lost, but eventually he answered a call by God to go into ministry and served as a pastor at a local church here in Indianapolis for 26 years um, in ministry. Fast forward many more years and Carver and Marianne's uh, daughter, Sarah, went into ministry. And she went with a group, a small group, to a, a large European country and a large city where she was helping this group to plant a church for those who don't know Jesus. The city was Berlin, Germany. So after they worked on planting the church, um, uh, Sarah decided to stay in Berlin and become a teacher. And there she met another teacher who she married, who was a German young man, and now they have two children. And so Carver and Marianne have two German-American grandchildren whom they love dearly. And Carver says that over the course of his lifetime, now 89, he can see God's hand 
in many of these moments and how they work together. And isn't that true about God? When we take the long view, we see that God is there for us yesterday, God is here for us today, and God will be there for us in all of our tomorrows. God is there for us and he cares. Just as the psalmist said, he hears our prayers. We can call on him and continue to call on him as he hears our prayers. He sees the long view of history. Well, what about those boys though who didn't make it through D-Day or who've died in other wars? What about uh, people you know who died of cancer too young or who died um, uh, very too young for other reasons. God is with them as well. And so God promises that he is with each of us. I think Paul says this well in Romans 8. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or even death or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nothing shall separate us from God's love through Jesus Christ, not even death. So God promises, one of his promises again through Christ is eternal life through him when we trust in him. So if we know of his good grace, we know he's with us in our yesterdays, he's with us today, he'll be with us in all of our tomorrows. What do we do in response? Well, the psalmist gets to that in verse 12. He says this, what shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me or for all his goodness to me? So what are we supposed to do? In our tomorrows, even this week, we are to call on God's name as long as I live. We are to offer sacrifices of thanksgiving out of our thanksgiving. And we are to keep our promises or pay our vows. When scripture repeats, we need to pay attention. When it says to call on God's name as long as I live, that's in verse 2. Verse 13 and verse 17, we're to continue to pray to God, continue to call on God's name in all circumstances. Then he says to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. What's this look like for us? Well, in the Old Testament, Jews were called to offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and this may be a formal thing that they would do in the temple or in a synagogue or a place of worship. For us, we are to offer our thanks. We're to be grateful. Out of gratitude, we're to live for God. And then it says we're to pay our vows in a couple of different places here. What does it mean to pay our vows or to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving? Again, I think Paul has good words to say in this in Romans 12. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we're to offer our bodies, our very lives, as a living sacrifice to God. What's that mean? It means to give our lives to God and all the choices that we do, whether it's you know, being a little league coach or whether it's working at your job during the week or whether it's with your family, wherever you go, we're to offer our bodies, our very lives to God to, to serve him as an act of worship, as an act of thanksgiving, as an act of sacrifice, sacrifice to him. So the psalmist says to keep our vows. What does it mean to keep our vows? And I was thinking about that this week. And so I thought about, well, it means wedding vows for me and for some of you. But I thought, what other vows do we have? How do we relate this to our life in Christ? 
And so I thought about, you know, each of us, if, if you're a member of ZPC, and if you're not a member of ZPC, we would love for you to be a member of ZPC. And these are also good questions for you to think about. Um, but if you're a member of ZPC, you have answered yes to all these questions, or you wouldn't be a member. And these are the vows that I think we can keep, and they're good for all Christians, whether or not you're part of ZPC or not. So here they are, these questions. Can we answer these again in the affirmative? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and are you trusting him alone in your relationship with God? If you say yes, then you're saying, yes, Jesus is the Lord of my life. He's my Savior. And so you can live that way this week. Number two, will you continue to grow as a disciple of Jesus, committing yourself to involvement in prayer and study and fellowship with other Christians and in sharing your faith with those who seek the love of God? We can do this here at ZPC, prayer. Uh, faith, with fellowship, with study together, and then figuring out ways, learning ways to share our faith as we go about our days. Number three, will you be an active member of this church, offering your time, your resources, your energy, and the gifts that God has uniquely given to you? And like it, number four, will you be Christ's disciple around the world, committed to fulfilling his great commission where he may send you? Not just here, but everywhere can you, we use our gifts and our abilities. So we're called to keep these promises. We may not be able to keep them all today because there's a lot there. But I think in the months ahead, even in the next year, we can find ways to keep our vows. If you've said, yes, I will, yes, I do, to these promises, to these vows, you can keep your vows, maybe even through the ministry of this church or maybe in other ways as well. I think number three and four might seem the hardest because it talks about, you know, using your gifts, using your abilities to serve others. And then it talks about even around the world. And you may think, well, I can't afford to go on a mission trip. You know, I've seen that in the bulletin to Romania or Brazil or Spain. But there are certainly other ways that you can touch the world right here. I thought of three just on Friday. These were things that were going on here in the church office or in the building on Friday. On Fridays, there's a food pantry. It's down at the far end of the church, the Zinesville Food Pantry, and people come from around Boo County. Um, to receive a short devotional before the food pantry opens, and then to receive food in the time of need, and they share prayer requests. So they pray together. That's a way we can touch the world, or you could find an opportunity to, the, to do that. A couple of weeks ago, we worshiped at Shepherd Community Center. Maybe you filled a, a Christmas tote full of food for a family need. You're touching the world by touching a family in need in Indianapolis by doing that. And we're continually looking for ways that we might connect with families at Shepherd Community Center even more. It was mentioned earlier, Vacation Bible School. There were people here Friday and there are people out here in the gathering space this morning talking about VBS. And you say, well, that's a ministry here inside the church. But you would be surprised. A lot of families come and bring their kids to VBS that don't go to ZPC. There's a good chance at that age, a lot of those kids don't, don't yet know the love of God through Jesus Christ. And they might hear it the week of VBS. So there's still opportunities for you to serve there. If not there, look for opportunities in your life of how you might serve God and fulfill your vows. So in this psalm, the author says, God has been gracious and compassionate to us, that God protects you, that God hears your cries for help, God hears your prayers. And so in response, out of thanksgiving, we can ask these questions. For all of us, what has God done for you and what promises can you keep? 
And so to help us think about that and to help us think about these questions that I laid out to you just a minute ago, on your way out today, I'll ask the ushers or to put these on the tables or hand these to you at the doors. It's a card with the questions on it. And it said, out of thanksgiving, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord from Psalm 116. May we do that because God is holy and he's worthy of our praise and we can praise him and worship him not only with our lives, but in everything that we do. So let's sing together. Holy is the Lord. Let's stand together.